Welcome to the 11 Dubcast presented by Safe Flight Auto Glass. Keep the drive going with Safe Flight. What in the blue hell happened, Johnny Ginter? My goodness. <laughs> I mean, this was, I don't know. This is I don't not know. What I, how I anticipated spending my late Saturday afternoon. And, um, you know, uh, we've had a few days to process and to try to wrap our head around it. And I would say this, and I, I would say firmly with this, that this is the most shocking Ohio State loss in my time around the program, which is a little over a decade, uh, certainly the worst loss of the urban era. And um, I, I can, and the reason I say that is, you know, even like, you know, Clemson, you could say, okay, they've had the best player in the country. They won the national championship, even Michigan <laughs> state, you know, when, when Zeke in 2015 and Zeke didn't have carries, you could say, okay, that was a really good Michigan state team. Mm-hmm. I know they didn't have Connor cook in that game, but I mean, that was a kind of a gross day. And, you know, crazy things happen. This was 55 at Iowa City. I mean, this was a beatdown by a team that, you know, look what they had done to this point in the season. And, and they did whatever they wanted with you. It, it will it, it'll go down. I was trying to think. And the only one I could think of that was maybe equally as shocking, but even that wasn't, was the 2007 season, the senior day loss to Illinois. Because Ohio State's number one in the country. They'd beaten Penn State earlier. They lose to Illinois in the senior day game. Now, that Illinois team ends up playing in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State ends up playing in the national title game. Um, but at the time, it was shocking to think that Illinois could come there on senior day and beat that team. But even that is a stretch compared to this. Um, you've been around the program a lot longer, and I'm sure there are, are things that jumped into your mind. But it, it, can you think of anything more shocking than 55 to 24 at Iowa? I can think of one. But I so let's, I want to talk about that senior day uh, against Illinois because I was in the stadium for that. I was watching that. That was my last. Yeah game i watched as an ohio state student i was in grad school and i was like all right the last one we're gonna get this win it's gonna be fun you know we're gonna my last time here i'll soak it in (laughs) and uh you know the thing about that game and i was thinking about this as i was watching the iowa game is that it was relatively close for most very close but 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 i knew that ohio state was gonna lose that game uh from like the second quarter on because they were listless they were terrible it was just you know just wasn't good and I kind of got that same feeling about halfway through the game against Iowa where I was like you know I don't think they're going to be able to pull this off but that's when they were losing by like 20 points Mm -hmm. (laughs) so okay I don't to me it was shocking not necessarily because they lost but how they lost of course yeah you could you could wrap Um, your head around a loss at Iowa I mean you could say crazy things happen I mean we saw it almost with Penn State we saw Michigan last year like crazy you can wrap your head around that but this was a beatdown. Yeah, yeah, no. So the only the only thing that I can compare it to, and this is another thing that I I feel very strongly personally because I I was I feel like I was semi involved. I was a senior. That was my when I was an undergrad. Was lost to Florida the national championship where all year long, especially as a student who just only sees the great things about Ohio State. Yeah, I thought they were going to roll in there and just beat the absolute hell out of Florida. And losing the way they did, I went down to the shot. I was watching on the screen in the shot. Me and my roommate left at halftime going, what just happened? We had it on yeah. the, the TV in the background in our, our room, our dorm room uh, for the end of it. But that was, I would say, to me, the most shocking because you had an entire season's worth of dominance to build up to that. And you're like, well, there's no way they can lose this one. To me, I mean, I'm not super salty about this loss. I'm a little bit. I'm a little salty. I was a little angry. But it's almost comical when you allow a Kurt Ferentz Iowa team to put up 55 points on your defense. Right. So I'm, you know, I'm not happy about it. I'm not going to sit here and go, Oh, it wasn't that fun. But uh, from a certain perspective, it's, it's ludicrous and silly. And it's, it's just not something I think it's worth getting super angry about because it was so crazy and and insane. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just, we, when we had the, uh, we had the writer from Iowa on last week and I was saying, Mark Morehouse. Yeah, he does a great job. And I, and I said, you know, the, the thing about Ference is, is that Iowa understands their limitations. Mm-hmm. And that's why they pay him. And that's why they keep him. Because he's a damn good football coach. And right. and, and that's it. I mean, he, he came up with a game plan. He outcoached Ohio State and Urban Meyer. Plain and simple. Both sides of the ball. They took away what Ohio State was good at offensively. And they they absolutely leveraged Ohio State defensively time time i mean there's there was no answer urban and his crew had no answer they had no answer at half this is the if while while i'm kind of with you in the sense of the absurdity of it almost makes right. that it's like okay well i guess that's it you know i mean i get that but at the same this is the part that's troubling i think if you're a buckeye fan 
is that this is the third time in less than a year where Ohio State's been housed. Yeah. I mean, smoked three times in a year. This isn't this isn't the loss. You know, it's not the two losses to Michigan th- State in 13 and 15. You know, while those were crippling, those were close games that come down to a play here or a play there. Th- this is three beatdowns at the hands of Clemson, Oklahoma, and now Iowa, where you are outcoached in all three games. And it's it's three beatdowns. I was thinking about this, you know, because we try to put Urban into perspective. And, I, I mean, I, I know how great he is. I think he's the second-best coach in college football, though, you know, people in the South might say Dabo Sweeney is now the second-best coach in college football, and he very, very well may be. I still think it's Urban, but that's that's where we stand. But here's one thing that's pretty amazing. We compare him to Saban all the time. Nick Saban has lost four times in 11 years by double digits. Think about that. Four <laughs> times in 11 years. He's lost three times by 14 and once by 11. And for the majority of that time, he played in the best conference in America. For the majority, They're not anymore. The SEC stinks now. But for the majority of the time, it was the best conference. You couldn't really argue it. Right. Four losses by double digits. Urban has three in a year. And you just yeah. wonder to yourself... Like it's, I don't want, you're not going to get silly and hyperbolic and say, you know, where, what's the direction of the program? And I saw somebody ask Urban that in the press conference. I think it's a fair question to ask. And he, you know, obviously didn't like it much, but um, at, at the same time you say, you know, what has changed, you know, from the beginning to now, because some of those early losses and there weren't many, but they were tight games, you know, or it's a play here, a play there. This is three beatdowns in a year. Well, I mean, that's. That's a little, I, I, to me, there are, I, I'm not alarmist, but I, there are some things where you say something's not clicking here because you have yeah. the most talent. You have more talent than, of those three games, the only team that you can compare, that has equal talent to you is Clemson. You have more talent than Oklahoma. They have a, you know, going to be a Heisman quarterback, but you have a three-time captain quarterback. Mm. And, and then oh, Iowa is something else entirely. So there are red flags here. There, so, okay, so here's the thing. I, I agree with that. I agree that there are red flags, but I don't know that it's necessarily a systemic thing. I think there are some things that Ohio State can do to shore up, you know, the problems that led to those losses. Um, and I think the other thing like, I would say is... example of one. What do, you th- what do you think they're not doing? I, I just think they don't have the talent at linebacker or safety. I, I think that's I the don't believe thing. that. I, I, I think well, those kids are going to play in the league. Well, maybe okay. Let me put it this way: maybe not the talent, but maybe not the uh, technique, or maybe or not being put in their best position to succeed. I give you that. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So it, yeah. I don't. I think these kids absolutely have talent and skill and all that kind of stuff, but they're not. They're not doing or reacting in such a way that allow them to make plays and do the things that they need to do. If you watch Kyle Jones, for example, had a really great article on our site uh, today that talked about. Um, a lot of the issues with the defensive, uh, you know, secondary, especially in the passing game. And they just had no idea where to be on, on oh. almost any given play. And it had nothing to do with whether or not they could make the play. Absolutely, they can make the play. They're fast. They're, they're capable. Uh, but they just didn't know where to go. And look, you saw it again in the Oklahoma game. You saw it against Iowa. You had a quarterback who would drop back watch them do little routes towards the middle, little little slant routes, other kind of stuff, throw over the linebackers and get a 15, 20 yard gain. And it was, it was easy as pie. And to me, that's a schematic thing. That's not necessarily, we can't get the right players. We can't get the right people involved. That's a coaching problem. That is a, an right. issue where maybe people don't really understand what they're supposed to be doing. And look, I think if you can, a, have better coaching in that regard to make sure that those players can do what they need to do, and B, maybe have some guys who fit what you're trying to do a little bit better, then you're going to be okay. But to me, that's what I see a lot of the same of. You, you are having a hard time covering people in space when it's not on the corners. We have some really, really great corners at Ohio State uh, the past several years, but I think that's also helped to mask some deficiencies in uh, the safeties and the linebacker core. And I, again, it's not that they're terrible players or anything like that, but um, you haven't had the type of player that can mask some of the problems when it comes to, I don't know where I'm supposed to be on, you know, a certain play. Well, so, so that, that's a recent problem because you had yeah. Malik Hooker last year. So you, you right, did have the great, exactly. this that's is a recent point. problem. I, I, you right. know, you're describing, I'm going to piggyback off of, and okay. You know, you're saying guys aren't in the right spot and so forth. And obviously they weren't on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, the other common denominator here, 
other than you know being run up and down the field for the third time in a year defensively is the fact that in games like this Ohio State is over reliant on a quarterback and in the case of this game a quarterback who who while it was spectacular against Penn State is not Braxton Miller in that he doesn't give you the home run there, mm-hmm. there's he's a he's a double, single double hitter is what he is and it is absurd for him to have more carries than J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber combined. And it's yeah. indefensible. And I understand that some of his carries come on scrambles when you're chasing the game. But this game was 17-17. And J.K. Dobbins was in the witness protection program. Mm-hmm. And he's averaging eight yards a carry. And I don't understand that. And I don't think there's any way, you know, in Urban, I saw him in his press conference say, you know, he put it on Coach Alford and he said, you know, um, you know, we got to get JK more. He's our starter. Uh, you know, I wonder about JK. He's got to be pretty pissed off about what's happened the last two weeks in terms of his carries. And this is a guy who was the bell cow at the beginning of the year. And now he's kind of just forgotten guy. It reminds me of Curtis Samuel last year. And so that goes to coaching. Because yeah. if you remember the Curtis Samuel problems we had last year, we would say, can we please get him touches? And they wouldn't. They wouldn't get him touches. You look at the loss to Penn State and you go, what in the hell? This kid's the best athlete on the field and he's not getting touches. And you look at the losses this year, you look at the loss to you look at this loss to Iowa and you think that JK Dobbins has six carries. Right. How's well, that possible? And- okay, so that is what what you described defensively and what I just described offensively is systemic. Because what well, that is is that's a coaching and it all starts at the coaching. Now, the program's healthy, the buzz, the recruiting, all that. Tons of talent. But true. but there is something that's either getting lost in the message or the message is bad. Because for the amount of talent Ohio State has, they should not have three losses like this in a year. Not for this amount of talent. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get that. I, I think offensively, I think you can definitely put it a lot more on the fact that just the scheme-wise, what's going on is not, it's not working out. I mean, the past several years, there was, I don't even remember who posted this, but I saw in the past you know, several years that uh, the percentage of uh, pass plays has has almost you know overtaken the percentage of of run plays. Like Ohio State's mm-hmm. become almost a pass first team in a lot of situations, which is not the identity of an Urban Meyer offense. Which is no. you know, and again, I kind of expected that with Kevin Wilson's influence. I expected there to be a lot more passing. Um, but on the other hand, if that's not working and other teams are keying on what you're doing, then you've got to figure out something else. And when you've got a player like J.K. Dobbins, there's really no excuse for him to to be sitting on the sidelines like that. And the I other thing like they're trying to one last point on that. I think they're no, almost no, no, no. trying to pass it out of spite. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like to me. It's just like, oh, no, we can do it. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. You just watch us. We'll throw. Yeah. Really? And and this is, you know, we were everybody was excited about J, JT last week against Penn State. JT is a distributor. He's a singles and doubles hitter. He is if the game plan is great, he is great. If the game plan is not, he can't rescue a game plan. He's not yes. Braxton in that sense. Braxton Miller could rescue a game if the game plan went to hell. He was yeah. such an elite athlete that he could salvage a game if the game plan went to hell. JT's not that guy. He's right. not He's not an elite arm guy. He's not an elite foot guy. So he's a really solid player who can, who if put in the right situations can thrive. And we've seen it, but in terms of, you know, you think about like what Baker Mayfield did on Saturday or think what Baker Mayfield did against us. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's a kid who puts a program on his shoulders and says, I got this, right. I got this. JT's not that. And it's not his fault. Um, again, a man's got to know his limitations. His limitations are there. And if, if you put him in the best position to succeed, he can drive the car all day, all day long. But if you don't, and when they don't, boy, it really shines bright when you think about Clemson, Oklahoma, and now Iowa, you know, with four picks with JT, where he was clearly pressing. He's ch- clearly trying to make things happen. He's not the reason for the loss. I'm not pretending that. That's crazy. The defense gave up. 49 points. So, I mean, he's not the reason. He did right. give him one. Um, but, but at the same time, he's not the type of guy who, when it's going bad defensively, get on my back and le- let me take you where you need to go. And so, look, I, I think all of Buckeye fans' biggest fears manifested on Saturday, you know, because mm-hmm. the defense kind of wasn't has we've never really, you kept wondering, like, what's going on at linebacker this year? And the, the, the loss of Luke Fickle, if you can't feel it, then you can't feel anything because it's different. They're different yeah. at linebacker this year than they were a year ago. They're not as good. They're not as prepared. Plain and simple needs to be well, said. 
coaching coaching in in college football is is so much more important than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, you can when you've got a guy who could just transfer to a, a different school or something like that, and he moves on up and he takes a team that might be like you know two and ten one year, and then and makes them all of a sudden you know conference you know champs or something like yeah. that in the next couple of years. You see that happen all the time in, in lower uh, tier programs and things like that. And it's it's because of coaching, because they didn't really have anybody to teach them concepts that are central to actually being able to defend a spread offense or being able to implement, you know, a triple option or an RPO or something like that. So, I look, Luke Fickle obviously is was a huge, huge part of the Ohio State defense for many, many years in terms of the coaching. And, and you're right. You do feel that loss at linebacker because – you know, especially if it's somebody who's who's young, who doesn't really, you know, have a good basis, a good, a good overall knowledge uh, base of how to defend certain things. Luke Fickle's seen everything. He can help people out and, and get them to that point where they can just kind of naturally snap too when they see something. Um, look, I one of the things I was thinking about, especially with regards to the passing game and the, and the running game, was like a lot of times we talk about why Urban Meyer's offense is effective because it essentially puts pressure on the defense when there's already, um, you know, kind of a disadvantage for the offense in terms of numbers, right? The, the offense is generally already at a def- or at a disadvantage because they are basically playing a guy short, right? As soon mm-hmm. as the quarterback gets yeah. the ball, they're yeah. not going to be really involved in movement. And Urban Meyer's offense seeks to mitigate that. So when you hand the ball off, the some of the, you know, logic is that you are giving up your um, way to kind of counter what the defense does. But honestly – if you can shorten the game <laughs> when your defense is getting blown off the ball by Iowa, you do whatever you can to do that. So I honestly, I wish they would have handed it off about 40 more times in that game, just to just to, if anything to make the game shorter and prevent yeah. Iowa from putting up 50 something. on Ohio state. So that's something to say that you, that you got to ball control it because your defense can't get a stop, but that's, but that's where what you I'm want. Like you do. That's, that's where, where we're at, at. Dude. That's where they're but at. It was stunning. At. Um, all right, so let me let's let's do this right now as well because I I think I had an overreaction on Saturday. I said, uh, you know, in this loss, I said, you know, that it's done. You know, you're not mm-hmm. Urban's going to play his first meaningless November, and and in, in time to think about it now, that's not true at all. You know, right. you can still beat Michigan, you can still win the Big Ten. So those right. are two goals that that happen every year. And winning the Big Ten, something Urban hasn't done very often since he's been here, just once, right? Just one mm-hmm. Big Ten championship. Right. So that's so so it's time. Right? Let's win a Big Ten, so they can still do that. And I'm not entirely convinced they're out of the final four. And I know people don't want to hear it, but there's been so much chaos week in and week out in college football. You could easily see a scenario where Miami, where Notre Dame beats Miami and Miami Mm -hmm. gets housed by Clemson and Oklahoma loses and Georgia loses to Auburn and then gets hammered by Alabama. And then Notre Dame loses to Stanford. There are so many scenarios here. There's still enough time in this season four weeks, four, four plus games where chaos can happen. I'm not going to advocate for a team that loses 55, 24 at Iowa. It won't be me. And I'm not saying they deserve it. Right. But I also think that there, that in the words of, of Jim Carrey and dumb and dumb and dumber. So you're saying there's a chance a million to one. Yeah. I don't think they're out of it all the way yet. They're going to have opportunities with Michigan state, Michigan. And if Wisconsin is undefeated and ranked third in the country, I could see a scenario or Wisconsin could be number two in the country at that point because they'd be undefeated to whoever the SEC team is. If that's the way it plays out, and Ohio State's sitting there at six, and they hammer Wisconsin, which I think they could do, it's not out of the question. I'm not advocating for it, but it's not out of the question. There's still a lot to play for. I appreciate your optimism, but first of all, I don't think they're going to get to that point. They might Uh, not. Yeah, I mean, I think... They have the talent to. Very good chance that they went out. For the rest of the year, I, I think they can beat Michigan State. I think they might be okay against Michigan. They just got to figure out, you know, how to stop some things that they do. But I also believe that if they get to the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's going to take some serious revenge on Ohio State. Because if you think it was yeah. bad trying to do the, you know, cover the pro style offense that Iowa was throwing at the Ohio State defense, now imagine all the players are like five times better because that's pretty yeah. much what Wisconsin is this year. I don't think so. I'm. I will see. I. I, I think. Oh, I bet you that number. I bet you this. You see the spread this week. I think it's crazy. It's fourteen and a half. And oh, I know I they were twenty stupid. point favorites at Iowa. Did you see? I by think, the way, did you see D'Antonio's reaction when they asked him about that? I did. About that yeah. spread. It's a stupid spread. Smart. 
Yeah. When we talk about Michigan State, I'll give you a stat that'll blow your mind when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan, or maybe you've heard it already, but it's absolutely or Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, when it, when you talk about how competitive that game's been, a stat that will absolutely blow your mind. Um, but of course, they can't worry about any of that. All they can. The one thing I'll say is, is in two th- that same year, year two thousand seven, you know, Ohio State is beats Michigan in, in the in Ann Arbor. I'm on the field. Beanie Wells is running around with a rose in his mouth. They're sixth <laughs> in the country, right? Yeah. Two weeks later, they're number one. That same year, LSU loses its second game of the year in the season finale. Thanksgiving Friday, they lose to Arkansas. The next week, LSU wins the SEC and with two losses plays for a national championship. And that was in the BCS era. So there's just two teams, not four. So chaos can happen. Chaos can absolutely happen over the next month. And and again, I'm not advocating for them. They don't deserve it. You lose 55-24, you don't deserve to be playing in any playoff. But they do have the talent. I don't think we can argue that. But they do have the talent. And if, if chaos ensues, it's not totally unreasonable to think that they could get another at bat at this thing. Although, boy, I don't even know if you'd want it. If they're the four seed and they're playing Bama, I'm not sure you'd want it. Um, but <laughs> I mean, you take long, it long you ways. Can, but yeah, I agree. Yeah, 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 you would. Long ways to go, including, first of all, handling business against Michigan State, which will not be a picnic. And we will get to that a little bit later in the program. Coming up next, we will be joined by Columbus native and IndyCar driver Graham Rayall. He is a diehard Buckeye fan. Trust me on this. He gets plenty emotional both on social media and off it. So he will join us next. Before we get to that, though, there's a clear choice in auto glass repair. We're proud to have them as a title sponsor of the 11 Dubcast here at 11warriors.com. Safe Flight Autoglass, the Columbus-based industry leader. they become that for good reason, guys. Simply put, no one does autoglass like they do it. Nobody repairs it. Nobody replaces it. Here's how it works. You're on a road trip, taking your kids to school, whatever. Rock chips up, smashes the windshield. You get a chip. You get a full-on break. Whatever it is, you call Safe Flight as soon as that happens, and they either repair it or replace it completely at your convenience. It's incredible. I've had the Safe Flight experience. I can't recommend it enough. It is that good. Keep the drive going with Safe Flight. So I have known our next guest for 10 years. And one of the first things that I did in Columbus was a show called Track Time. And at the time, a high school kid from New Albany would come in about every other week. And we would talk IndyCar and open wheel and all these things. And that kid ended up uh, growing into a hell of a man named Graham Rahal. Good to have you on, my friend. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you guys having me. So this is the this is what's interesting about you is um the the racing stuff is all fascinating. You're married to like, you know, the the first lady of racing, uh Courtney Forrest, and you're like the crown prince of racing. So you have this storybook <laughs> life and, and kind of this racing first family. But you are a you are a diehard Ohio State football fan. Completely irrational, might I add, Ohio State football fan. Yeah, I'm pretty irrational. I mean, I'll admit it. I, I you know, for me, it's uh you know growing up in columbus and everything i think it's it's part of life um but for sure i have a hard time staying away from twitter when the games are on and thank god i didn't uh i didn't get the opportunity really to watch last week's game because i was <laughs> i was testing uh i was testing one of the the sports cars um you know down in, in daytona florida otherwise i probably would have gone absolutely bonkers but um yeah i mean i you know i love it it's uh Ohio State football for me is a an opportunity to to get back to Columbus to see all my buddies to go to the games to go to the Woody um, you know have, have live a little bit of that life that uh, that I kind of miss being on the road so much nowadays. You also made it a part of your. I mean, you you wear the Buckeye helmet, which I don't. I always shocked me that you pulled that off. I know Pantone, the ambassador, cool was big, but I mean, you actually wear like when you go to Mid Ohio, you wear the Buckeye helmet, and I know you like autographing. You have the little replicas, but take me through the process of getting that done because Ohio State is not easy to deal with when it comes with stuff like that. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No. Um, <laughs> The helmet was pretty easy the first year that we did it. The year that we won at Mid Ohio, um, you know, I did the helmet and uh, and it, it was it, that wasn't too bad. But then the next year, you know, we decided, okay, let's take this to the next level. We'll do a helmet and let's do a suit. So, you know, we get this all approved. Uh, my my great uh, friend, family friend of ours, my entire life, Cheryl Kruger. Everybody knows her, Cheryl Cookies. So Cheryl 
is on the board. So Cheryl says, okay, you know, we'll make this happen. We'll get this thing through. So we get the, the suit designed. We get it approved. We're good to go. We're going, you know, we get it pr- produced. Uh, two weeks before the race, they get a phone call. Yeah, you're not allowed to wear that. I'm like, what, are you, what are you talking about? Like, we've already gone through all these steps. And they said, no, you're not allowed to wear it. Okay. Uh, that's not an option. So what do we have to do now? Okay, meet us at the Center of Automotive Research at 7 a.m. on this date, and we'll discuss it. Well, basically, I think all it was was pretty much a tee up to, like, how can we get you to give us some money? And, you know, in the end, we had to make uh, a donation, you know, to the university, and we got to wear the suit. So, it, you know, it worked out, and, and we got to, to support, um, you know, the Center of Automotive Research, and they've got a great racing program there. Actually, a lot of people don't know about it. A really right. strong racing program there. Engineering group. We've got a couple engineers on our team from Ohio State. So for us, you know, it it worked out in the end, but it certainly was not easy uh, by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, nothing nothing is easy with Ohio State when it comes to that. Uh, I think that I think that's fascinating. And actually, one of the things that I I wanted to know more about is is some of your involvement with Ohio State and some of the other things that you're talking about. I know we've talked about this on the website before and this is maybe around even when i was in college you know about 10 years ago uh but they had like the buckeye bullet and they've had a lot of other things that they've been doing what are some of the other uh automotive projects that ohio state has been doing along the lines of what you're involved in what you know about well they do a ton they do a ton they do a lot of projects for ford and gm and obviously honda is right there who i i drive for you know they're in the backyard there so right uh, car as they call it will do a lot of projects you know for them uh to to develop fuel efficient uh, cars they have the venturi team there that does uh land speed runs with uh you know with, with basically an electric car um you know they have an electric motorcycle they raced at pike Peak. i mean they do a lot of stuff there at ohio state that i don't think that people hear about know about uh enough and it's also you know it's such a great engineering school which again probably isn't spoken about enough um you know, but, you know, for, for us and, and the business that we're in, uh, clearly we can pull from a lot of that. And so, uh, you know, it's been, it's been great to uh, work a little bit further with them. Um, you know, one of our engineers, like I said, is, is, is from Ohio State, just graduated a couple of years ago. So, you know, again, it's, uh, we, we've got a lot of connections, you know, there, and it's, uh, it's good to have them in our backyard. As a team, you know, the, the IndyCar team, for, for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan is based in Indianapolis and that's where I live now. Uh, but the, the sports car team is still right there off of 270. So, sure. you know, we can, we can certainly utilize uh, Ohio state as much as possible and try to try to work together. And, you know, hopefully it's mutually beneficial. I do know that the Ohio state stuff I've always worn at mid Ohio of which, you know, just to get my plug in, we still have a couple of helmets for sale on, on the, uh, Oh, cool. Indianapolis Motor Speedway website, a couple of the minis. We made these mini replica helmets, made 500 of them, and there's some for sale right right now still. But, um, you know, I mean, it's every time we go to go to mid-Ohio and stuff, it, it is – the fans are crazed just like they are. Maybe not as fierce football, but, you know, they carry over, <laughs> and it's always cool to see all the camping and, and people that come out and celebrate it. Graham, the uh, as I mentioned, totally irrational Buckeye fan, and I've I've seen you live and die on Twitter, and we've texted back and forth during games. And look, I, I feel you. I know it. It's crazy. Like you, See, you stopped, get nuts. I stopped bugging you. I stopped. No, no. I love now it. I just go to Barn. I just complain to Matt Barn. But he's my guy. <laughs> you know, I just I blow him up for like three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I, I, what was what's what's the uh, what's the best Buckeye football memory for you, and what's the worst? Honestly, the worst got to be last weekend. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just I I don't know why I had butterflies about that one anyway. But I mean, what in the world? I just literally just bought my Big Ten championship tickets. That's not to say they don't still get there because they should. But I mean, right. come on, you know that was. That wasn't cool, but I was at the national championship game in in, in 2015, um, and mm-hmm. so that was that was pretty cool. And then the, the year that I won Mid Ohio was also 2015, and so I sent my helmet back to Pantone, um, and he got Joey and Zeke and Urban and Perry and uh, Darren Lee, who went to my high school in New Albany, mm-hmm. and all these guys, all the big guys, uh, Michael Thomas, all these boys signed it for me. So. 
that was pretty cool That's because cool. it's in my office now at home and got this helmet that won my home race and then also got it signed by you know all the all the national championship guys so um you know that's uh that that's pretty cool for me as well you're married to courtney force whose uh father john force is one of the mount rushmore driver icon you know guys of all time does she understand this your irrational feelings towards ohio state does she get it you know she's starting this has taken years okay she's a socal girl right well, and that's the thing, you know, what I find with people from there, they just, they don't have, they don't live it. Even USC no. fans. Now I've got a buddy who's a diehard USC fan. They don't live it. Like, you know, Saturdays in Columbus, Ohio, we all know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not the case, you know, and, and where Courtney's from. And so, you know, it's, it's a new thing, but she certainly, uh, She's she's excited when the games are on, and she's also extremely excited when college football season is over. So, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that's think, kind of that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, I think my uh, I think my fiance can understand that as well. Um, <laughs> that's, well, fan, fan fan short for fanatic, right? It's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I I mean I think we all know this. I mean Ohio State fans take it to a whole nother level. Bama fans. I've been exposed to them, you know, being down there for, for we race in Alabama. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's a few fan bases that certainly are, take it to a different level. And, um, you know, she's, uh, that's, that's uh, something courts, you know, not quite used to yet, nor is my Twitter following apparently, because <laughs> every, time I get, every time I get a rant going, um, I lose like hundreds of followers. So, Obviously, um, I need more Ohio State fans to follow me. That that would really help. We're, We're gonna get some so, backup. Yeah, I'm gonna link. I want to link your Twitter in the post for this, and I want to make sure that we can have a good Venn diagram going of both racing fans and Ohio State football fans, and we can maybe bump exactly. up the, the follower count a little bit. Because um, I I totally I can relate to that. Except instead of talking about Ohio State football losing followers, it's me talking about like dinosaurs and and politics and stuff like that. So, <laughs> this is the most really politics. Don't do politics. Don't yeah, no, this, I know. This, this is the best thing that I can tell you about uh, about Graham Ray Hall is um, you're talking to a guy who you could talk Ohio State football. If you saw him in a bar and you're having a beer or whatever, or you're at Steak and Shake having a, a burger and fries, and That's you're, right. sit, you're sitting there with Graham Ray Hall, you can talk Ohio State football with him, and you think, this dude's just like everybody else. And then you realize that, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, his, his godfather is Jungle Jack Hanna. His, <laughs> he has known David Letterman his entire life and his dad is Bobby Ray Hall, and apparently knows Cheryl's cookies. So that, and he's married to Courtney Force. So, so that is that's what makes him so beautiful. And I know you got to catch a flight, and uh, but I really appreciate you hopping on with this real quick, my friend. And um, I, I certainly have about a million more questions, and we'll have more fun talking Buckeye football maybe another another time uh, here in a couple months yeah, into the offseason. Any, anytime. Yeah. Anytime. Appreciate you, you know, buddy. I I love I love taking the time to. Uh you know, to talk about Buckeye football and stuff. It's, it's fascinating to me to learn. And, and I text Pantone about 5,000 times a week, uh, always picking his brain and stuff. I love this stuff, man. So, uh, you know, in racing season, when it all comes to a close, this is what I live for, you know, hopefully brighter days are ahead. Right. Yeah. No yeah. Kidding. Well, I'm, I tell you what, I'm going to crash at your place for the big 10 championship. So just, 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 Let's just g- get give there. me a corner. Let's just get there first. Let's get there, buddy. Let's get there, pal. <laughs> Let's do it. Brandon, but if, safe if flight, there, buddy. We'll do it. All right, Sounds pal. Good. Safe flight. Thanks. And don't forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. We prefer that you rate us highly, especially having someone as good as Graham Rahal on on a fine Tuesday. All right, time for the final segment. It is Michigan State Week. It's laughable that this spread is the the the, the size that it is. It's it's laughable. Um, you saw you mentioned the D'Antoni reaction to it was appropriate. This is the <laughs> stat of the year on this thing. Five times Ohio State has played Michigan State since Urban Meyer has been the head coach at Ohio State. The combined score is Ohio State 121, Michigan State 120. <laughs> okay? Think about that. Uh, and, and that's not, 14, that not the team that you would... and a half. Come on. Yeah, that's not the team you would Crazy. think would play Ohio State quite that close. That's, that's a little interesting. That's a little interesting aside there. Well, they're the best. They're the, um, nobody wants to hear it, but they're the biggest rival. It's not Michigan right now. It's not Michigan. Michigan hasn't taken anything from you. You in wouldn't the last say five days up there? Michigan State has taken two 
national championship game appearances directly from you. That's 2013, true. 2015, 1998 right. as well. So three times in our lifetime, Michigan State has taken a national championship game appearance away from you. It's been a long time since Michigan's taken one away from you. Oh yeah, no. Nineteen ninety six. I mean, how right. it's what one, was that? Bianca Batuka, ninety five, ninety six. It's been yes. that long. Yeah. I mean, Michigan State three times in twenty years and twice in the last five years has taken national championship game appearances away from you. No, that's your rival. Right. Michigan yeah, that's, hasn't that's, taken anything from you in a long time. Yeah, that's correct. But I think so many people have just maybe a residual, I don't know, affection for Michigan State, mostly because of D'Antonio and also yeah. because, you know, they're also kind of a co-rival with Michigan. So, so maybe threatening. People don't admit that maybe, you know, emotionally, but you're right. right. I, the, the effect that they've had on the Ohio State program late recently can't really be denied. Oh, no. They've had more effect on the program than anybody else. <laughs> Negatively. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they've crushed our souls. I mean, they've crushed the souls. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're a worthy adversary. Um, you know, the three things for me, you know, there's this is simple stuff, guys. I mean, I, I think they've got a real problem with the ignoring of the two backs. And I think they might be developing a problem with, I don't have any inside information on this, but I have a just have a gut feeling that there's some issues that, that I can't imagine J.K. Dobbins is a happy camper. Yeah, I just can't. And I heard Urban's comment today at the press conference about how he's our number one. He's going to rush for a thousand yards. It all seems like he's trying to, you know, pump up J.K. so he doesn't get upset. I think the kid has a right to be upset. They've ignored him. They ignored him last week in the loss. I have to think that they get back to what they are, which is a power tempo run team, and they get they get Dobbins and Weber to a lesser degree going in this game, and they come out doing that. I mean, I, I just can't imagine they come out slinging the ball around the way they did last week. Um, right. So that's number one for me. Is is you got to get back to who you are as an offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What, what I would say, though, for my number one is you got to start fast. You cannot make mistakes from the beginning of the game. Uh, no. That almost sunk them against Penn State. It did. I mean, I, you'd argue there are many, many other things that sunk them against Iowa, but starting off slow certainly didn't help. So you, you got to have a mistake-free first quarter, and you've got to score some points. You've got to look good uh, right from the word go, because otherwise, you very real chance Michigan State could pull the upset. So you got to start fast. Absolutely. Uh, the next one to me goes to the other side of the ball, and I need. I, I, it might be time to see some changes defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you need to p- maybe play some different guys or what, but you know, after that, that experience, I have a feeling that, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some new faces in there and and seeing if they can carry the carry the weight a little bit defensively because you know that was a that was pretty that was a beatdown and and they there needs to be some things shored up and I think I, I'm like you I think most of it schematically. Mm-hmm that they're not being put in the best position to succeed, but something's got to change defensively. And look, what, what, what Iowa was able to do to you, Michigan state's going to be able to do to you tenfold because they're better. So you've got, there's, there's big reasons for concern. And again, I get back to the, you know, the spread just being ridiculous. And I don't see anything that Ohio state's proven to you defensively that leads you to believe that they could beat somebody by that. Well, my second thing is also defensively, but for me, it's really just going to see whether or not it is the scheme or the players, because I, I would hope, I would hope that Greg Chiano can come up with some kind of, you know, like zone or something that can help uh, mitigate the effect of a quarterback just throwing over the heads of linebackers. But mm-hmm. you know, if the scheme is good and they've got a good plan, then, you know, maybe it'll be on the players if they can't execute it well. But on the other hand, if they look as lost as they did against Iowa, then that's going to be clearly on the shoulders of the coaches because really there was no excuse for linebackers and safeties not knowing what the responsibilities are in any given play, and that's got to be corrected. So I think you're going to find out real quick because Mark D'Antonio and company are going to be attacking that uh, from the you know kickoff from the very second that that, uh, that ball's kicked off mm-hmm. from the beginning of the game. So we'll see. I mean, and that's going to be something that's going to be determined very, very early in the game. Absolutely. Finally, for me, and these guys, these are generic. I get it. There's stuff that we can all see, but I think that's where we are in a football season. I mean, this isn't intricate stuff here and there. This is big picture, big picture problems. And it's just give a damn level. Uh, You know, I I mentioned the national championship stuff is still barely out there. You know, so you're saying there's a chance out there. It's not very likely. So so what type of motivated team are you going to get on Saturday at noon against Michigan State with tepid ticket response 
apparently no one's going to the, no one's buying tickets to this game. I, I know that Ohio State's pushing people to write that tickets are available. That's a bad sign um, for Michigan State at noon. And I just wonder, like, what's the give a damn level of this team? Like, will they come out with like their hairs on fire, 10 feet tall and bulletproof the way that they have at certain points this season? Are they going to sleepwalk through this? Because I got news for you. They're not good enough to sleepwalk through, as was proven last week. And it'll get worse this week if they show up that way again. Yeah, that's actually going to be mine as well. I, what team are you going to get? Are you going to get a team that's mm-hmm. hanging their heads, that are you know looking inside their chest because they're really sad and they don't want to you know be there, or are you going to get a team that wants revenge and wants to prove that they are you know the the team that a lot of people thought was national championship caliber about a week mm-hmm. or so ago? So I, yeah, I, I think it really just depends on what team you get, and hopefully it's a team that is looking to prove something, and, and maybe they're a little better than what people saw last week. Yeah, that's really what it comes to. The first two you could ignore. It's the, the really it's the third. I mean, the first two are smaller margins, but just sure, what's yeah, the give a damn? Because then, you know, we talked about is it a systemic problem? If the give a damn yeah. level's not there, then it is. And that's that's the scary part. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Do we have some ask us anything this week? We got a couple minutes. We sure do. And, uh, you know, at, you guys can ask us anything. And, and many people did by sending us an email to dubcast at 11warriors.com or hitting us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. And, you know, losses like this bring out the angst in everyone <laughs> and, and you know, our listeners are no exception which frankly i don't really you know blame them this one's from yeah. tim uh <laughs> I, lo- I love leading with this question here in four years the national championship for the 2021 season will be held in indianapolis indiana will urban meyer still be ohio state's head coach at that point in time my gut feeling is no okay why do you why That's do you say that no? um well, I, I think the way that he burns it, he's not a real good delegator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saban's a better delegator, and and you know, Urban, Urban, I just don't know if he's if he can if he's wound wired away to coach at a place for that long. Right. Um, you know, what would that that would be ten years at Ohio yeah. State? Three more seasons oh after this one, right? Yeah, I I thought my over under when he got hired was seven. He's clearly not quitting after this year, but. You know, I don't know. I my gut feeling says no right now. Yeah, well, I think part of it because I I really see the potential for this season to kind of spin out of control a little bit, and whether or not that happens is is kind of beside the point. But I want to see how he reacts in the off season. And one of the biggest struggles that I think he has had at Ohio State is dealing with a lot of um, a lot of people leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of, you know, lack of continuing among coaches, a lot of turnover. And if that starts to catch up with him, if the stress starts to build up, then no, I don't see him here at, you know, 2021. On the other hand, if Urban Meyer can find a really consistent core coaching staff and keep that for a couple of years or three years and they have a lot of success and maybe they get back to the national championship, then yeah, possibly. I think, I think it's not insane to suggest that might happen but you know i agree with you it's gonna be pretty difficult because it's really not his mo and it's not really who he is as a as a person so yeah uh okay this next one's from greg he starts this by saying after screaming into the darkness for 36 hours here i am that's (laughs) i appreciate him doing that this was let's see what's today's date this we're doing this on the 7th so he's sending this yesterday Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) so he just came out of the woods and, and sent us these two quick questions here uh, are you planning on waiting in line to buy anything on Black Friday? You a Black Friday kind of guy? No, I'm all online. Yeah, why? There's no reason why to go to a out? store. Why would anyone ever do that? No. Like, no, not- I've got I've got three kids under five. I buy everything between uh, Thanksgiving morning and the Monday and Cyber Monday. All of it online, yeah. all free shipping, all at tons off. Why in the hell would I ever go out? There's just yeah, no, there's no reason. Yeah, I 100% agree. I don't know why anybody still does that. Number two, uh, and this is, you know, maybe we missed some opportunities here for Halloween, but he says, after watching some truly awful Halloween movies on Netflix, what is the worst movie you've ever seen on a streaming device? The worst movie I've ever seen on a streaming device? Yeah, so like maybe just you're you're going around on like Hulu or Amazon or something like that, and you come across this movie, and you're like, oh, I'll check it out, and it ends up being just completely god-awful. So the the beautiful thing about streaming is is that's impo- for me that's impossible because if it's right. awful I just stop. Yeah, you, just you know it it's not like the old days when you used to go to the movie theater if you did pay per view or rented a movie like you felt like you had an obligation to sit through it because you had paid for it. And right. I know I pay for the subscription, but I just stop and else. go to something else. Right? How Do about, you have okay. one? I don't. I don't have one. 
let's alter the terms of the deal because I'm, I'm I'm kind of with you on that one. What is the yeah. worst movie you have paid a ticket for and then sat in the movie theater for the entirety of? Coyote Ugly. Oh boy, that's a bad movie. John Goodman's now, in that, right? It was also one of the most enjoyable movie experiences of my life because I was with some buddies in college and we were mm-hmm. doing, you know, a little of the Mary J. And <laughs> and so we just laughed at the absurdity of it for right. an hour and a half. I yeah. mean, just how ridiculous it was. The craziest thing about Coyote Ugly, I'm, this is just coming back to me, but so her dream isn't even to sing the damn song. Yeah, she it's just, just wants to write it. the bar. Well, she wants to write the song, and then they have Leon Rhymes come out at the end and sing it. And it's like the whole setup is is she's this delicate flower who's trying to find her voice, and she can actually sing. But then Uh at the end, her dream realized is not her singing the song. (laughs) It's Leanne Rhymes singing the song. I'm pretty (laughs) sure it's Leanne Rhymes. Think of the absurdity of that. Like, it's a Cinderella story where the girl doesn't even get to be the damn princess. She makes the dress. That's Coyote Ugly. It's like you watch an hour and a half long movie about somebody trying to make it big in Los Angeles, but they want to be like a producer, you know, right. instead of an actor. I want to be the star of the movie. Like, wait, what? What do you right. The worst movie, I want to say is that the worst movie, I don't know. Well, so the worst movie I personally bought a ticket for and sat through the entirety of in a theater was, um, oh God, it was the terrible golf movie with Will Smith and Matt Damon, uh, Legend of Legend Bagger of Vance. Vance. Yes, yeah. I sat through the entire damn movie. But the the worst movie that my parents ended up buying us a ticket for when we sat through the entirety of was Gone Fishing with um, Danny Glover and Joe Pesci. Wow. <laughs> and it is, a it is the worst. It's basically, it's supposed to be like a combination of like this uh, Dumb and Dumber uh, on a fishing boat with a mob movie. And it is completely god awful. There's only one really funny part. And uh, it's Joe Pesci's like Joe Pesci and Danny Glover are tied up in the shack by the mob or some contrived BS. And Joe Pesci is trying to like spit in the face of his captor and he ended up just spitting on himself. And that's it. Okay. That's the only, that's, that's the only that's part the win. Of the that's the payoff. Yeah. That's the yeah. entire payoff for the movie. Uh, but that is, that is a terrible, we watched that in a, a movie theater that probably seated about 150, 200 people. And it was my family of four. And then literally one other dude who was sitting like 12 rows back, who was clearly very irritated that uh, eight and nine-year-old children were running around and, and ruining this, this great cinematic classic for him. So, right. Well, there you go. Mad. Look what you did. Sorry. Uh, go ahead and buy another ticket for that. Uh, we got another one here. This is from, uh, <laughs> this is from um, David. We kind of talk about this a little bit. He said, uh, I thought it was an important factor before the season, but how much has the Fickle departure hurt the Buckeyes? Let me ask you this. We talked about Fickle and, and the loss of that being felt a little bit, but the question I guess I would have for you, Bo, is mm-hmm. do you think there is a chance that somewhere down the line, if if Luke Fickle is, is really successful at Cincinnati, turns around, is he a guy that Ohio State would look at in the future to try to you know maybe replace a guy like Urban Meyer? I don't think so. Um because my gut feeling, my gut feeling is no, um, yeah. not to replace Urban. I mean, maybe, you know, to replace the guy who replaces Urban, mm-hmm. maybe, but not to replace Urban. I think that, you know, I was pretty intimate covering that team, and I was hosting the coaches' show at that time. And um, Luke, I'll, I'll be interested to see what Luke is as a head coach. Yeah, because it's it's not in his nature to do some of the things you have to do as a head coach. He's not great at kissing babies and shaking hands. Right. He didn't really like it. And I don't know that you can be the head coach at Ohio State. And he did the best he could. And he was as honorable as you can be that year. Um, But he was so out of his depth on that stuff that I don't think he fits. Like, to me, you know, you need to have some charisma and some gravity. And Luke doesn't isn't really that type of guy. Yeah. Um, So I I don't think so. Not, Not to follow Urban. I could see... Yeah, he's more of a D'Antonio type. Like I could see him having, you know, from Cincinnati becoming the head coach at, oh God, who the heck knows at at Iowa State or Iowa, you know, be, replacing Ferentz at Iowa and having a hell of a run. Like I could see that, you know, where you don't have to have the same, where, where the same is not expected of you as is expected of the head coach at, at Ohio State. Yeah, I just it's interesting to me because, I mean, he's not. You're right. He's not the politician. He's not the guy who's yeah. going to be that guy. But. On the other hand, I, to me, the struggle in these huge hiring things is that you, you want the rock star, right? If the rock star is mm-hmm. available, you go out and get the rock star if you're Ohio State. 
On the other hand, you also have this internal struggle where you want the familiar, you want the person you know, you want the person who already has kind of established credentials, you want the quote unquote Michigan man. And that struggle is what I think is fascinating about these giant, you know, college searches for for coaches that, you know, have these huge programs, programs like Texas and whatnot. What are mm-hmm. their values? What are they trying to to get? So I don't know. I think that would be very interesting to see how, I mean, a lot of it just depends on how successful he is at Cincinnati, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think I'm more with you. I think he's more of a middle tier guy where he doesn't have to be the politician and kiss babies and do all other stuff, but yeah. uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens as his career develops real quick. Last one. This is from Dave. Dave has a bunch of questions, but we'll just pick this one real quick. Cause I know we're getting close to uh, some basketball, which we haven't really touched on a whole lot. Um, right. Dan Dockett, who, you know, full disclosure, has a, a son on the team, uh, picked right. Ohio State uh, to go to the basketball Final Four. Dave wants to know, what is he smoking? Is marijuana legal in Indiana? I don't think so. Probably not, because Pence was the governor, so I don't think so. So, no. yeah. boy, I mean, that has to be, he's got to be just, I, I don't understand how in the hell, I mean, obviously his kid's on it. It had to be tongue-in-cheek. I'd have to listen to the comment. Mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't seriously have done that. Well, I mean, I think seriously, I think they posted it. I think it was in an article that like you're telling me like he legitimately like not because his son's on the team, like he legitimately thinks Ohio State's one of the four best teams in the country. Let me you know what? I didn't pull up. I didn't pull up the uh, I didn't pull up the the actual article. Yeah, Um, I wonder if he said like and Ohio State, you know, wink, wink, you know, my kids there. That to me would make sense. I can't imagine him seriously giving legitimate reasons that Ohio State would play. For, and I, you know, I'm rooting for them all, obviously, but that seems silly. Yeah. So he picked Ohio State. This is on an ESPN article, and they basically they just, you know, they asked all the uh, all their writers, their college basketball mm-hmm. writers, to pick, you know, their guys. So they got like Jay Billis. They asked all, you know, mm-hmm. all these dudes. Sure. And uh, yeah, Dan Dockich picked <laughs> picked. Uh, Ohio State as one of his final four at the end of the year. So got to be because kids there. I'm sure it's just a wink, wink. My kids there. It's it's I, I, look. It might be, but it's right there. You can go on ESPN. No, no, I, be, I, I believe it, but I'm sure it's just to bring attention to the fact that his kids there. Yeah, he's no, too I don't. smart to think that Ohio State could win. <laughs> I mean, come on, what are we talking about? By the way, we, so you know, we we were able to run into. We did our little, uh, you know, our our Iowa pregame thing down there at B Dubs mm-hmm. last week. And by the way. Before we go, I got to mention this. Uh, we obviously have the, the dub gate, the tailgate that you guys can definitely partake in uh, this Saturday mm-hmm. morning. So please check out the website and, and, and you know, attend and, and enjoy all the festivities there. Uh, but we were nice enough to or lucky enough to run into Chris Holtman and company uh, at B-dubs. And mm-hmm. um, he you know what? We talked for him, with him for a few minutes. I think he's very realistic about the team, but I think he's also very optimistic. And I think he likes his guys a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be great. They're not going to get to the final four, but I think they might surprise some people. Uh, I think they might be a legitimate uh, contender in the big 10 championship uh, tournament. And I think they might turn some heads at some point this year. I think he's like, I think he likes the personnel that he has. Was uh Scooney Penn there? Yes. Yeah. We ran to both Scooney and uh, Chris. It was really good. There you go. Yeah. That's a nice hire. You hire that guy. No, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I, I think that's crazy. I think he, I think he, he's eventually going to get there, but not this year. So no. we'll, we'll, we'll figure We'll start working in the basketball here as we start to get going a little bit on that front as well. Uh, all right, my friend, good stuff out of you. We thank Graham Rahal for, uh, for joining us here on the program this week. And also want to thank safe flight for being the uh, presenting sponsor of the fine program. I will visit with you next week, hopefully under better terms, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm feeling you. See you next all week, right, see you, buddy. Take care.